You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredHeBakes.com. That's FredHeBakes.com. Guys, it's getting to be that time, you know, summer is coming to an end and autumn is starting to roll right around the corner. So why not go ahead and treat yourself to some delicious autumnal baked goods? Head on over to FredHeBakes.com and use the coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off of your order of delicious baked goods. Guys, trust me, these seasonal flavors are amazing. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network and get yourself some No Love Lost merchandise, like No Love Lost t-shirts and Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. Guys, again, we know 2020 has been absolutely bonkers, so it really means a lot that you're sticking with us. We wish you well. We hope you are all staying healthy and staying happy and staying safe. Please continue doing whatever you have to do to take care of each other. Thank you so, so much again for supporting us. And just remember, we love you. On that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash and there are others and there are numbers and it all means something. To go back. Will, if I disagree with you, are you going to push me to my death? I need you to be honest with me. Well, this is a tough situation for me to be honest in. Ah, damn it. I'm going to be pushed to my death, aren't I? Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast where we break down the hit ABC television series Lost, which, by the way, just had the 10th anniversary of the series finale this past <laughs> week. Ah, um, uh, my, where has the time gone? Um, This is season three, episode 12, Par Avion. What does that mean? It means by airmail. Oh! It's what they... Neat! S- it's what they stamp on things that go by airmail. I get it because of the birds. Yep. There you go. <laughs> I've learned something here today. And uh, since we've all learned a valuable lesson, I guess that means we can uh, go ahead and wrap it up. Yeah, that's that <laughs> on this week's episode. I mean, let me say something about this episode. Fine episode, mm-hmm. but part of me does feel like on some level, yeah, we could just wrap it up. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we'll get into it. But um, this episode is written by Christina M. Kim and Jordan Rosenberg and directed by Paul A. Edwards, who last directed The Glass Ballerina, which, of course, is the um, the Sun uh, backstory one. All right, all right. And it is the first Claire episode since season two episode 15 
Yeah, that's the one where she and Kate went on their little, like, girl trip, right? Yeah, and I, I was thinking about this. Like, Claire is more than any other character on this show. The char- the one that gets the short end of the stick. Uh, I mean, there's a whole season that she's not even in. I would, I would agree with much of that. And... I mean, you could argue some some characters that can, but of the original cast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, she gets. I mean, she gets more than like say Shannon or Boone, but <laughs> but like out of everybody who survived to the first two seasons, yeah, she she very much gets the short end of the stick. I think the problem is. And, and I think when they created the, and this is all me speculating, when they created the character of Claire, it's a great, cool idea to have, like, we're going to have this pregnant woman, and it's going to be like, kind of like a, you know, she's going to, we know she's going to give birth at some time, and what it's is a, this It's be? a ticking time bomb. But once she has the baby. It's, it's like they ran out of things for her to do. <laughs> well, I was going to say, is it that they ran out of things to do, for her to do, or is it also that... What could they justify her doing? Like, once she has the baby, you can't really justify her constantly traipsing into the jungle on adventures like the other characters because then she's like bad mom abandoning her baby with virtual strangers. I, you know? I actually think this episode was really... Um was really indicative of how you could still have her involved yeah. while still being a mom. Like, I feel like she was the, the the main thing for me, for the, the female characters of this show. Like, I'm like, just as long as, and th- maybe this is just showing how like upset I am about like Kate at the beginning of this season, my bare minimum <laughs> for being like, yeah, for a female character in this series is whether or not they are proactive on any given episode. And Claire is proactive in this episode. So I'm like, yeah, go Claire. <laughs> yeah, she wants to she wants to, to capture the birds. And you're right. There could be more camp based oriented stuff with her. But I feel like. The show went in a different direction than her character. Well, I mean, I'm wondering if maybe they had, like, kind of like how they were playing around with the idea of Walt having superpowers, you know, in season one, and those plans had to change because they were like, oh, yeah, children grow up. Um, Maybe they had more, and we've talked about this before, too, maybe they had more plans for Aaron, and then just as the show kept changing or reinventing itself, they realized those initial plans kind of had to, to you know, maybe they were delaying and they're like, oh, well, we'll, we'll do something with it later. We'll do something with it later. And then ultimately those plans never came to fruition. And so, like, you know, if their plans for errands changed, maybe then Claire became an afterthought. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, hard to say. Yeah, it is hard to say. Um, her character... Look, a lot of weird things happen with Claire's character on this series, including eventually there's a squirrel baby. But that <laughs> note, before we get into it, Megan, that might be the note that you should jump in on. Speaking of squirrel babies, in case this is your first episode of No Love Lost... Fair warning, guys, we talk about plot points from 
literally any given point of the series. So uh, if you happen to be going through Lost and this is your first episode of No Love Lost and you're like, oh, I want to listen to an after show. Uh, maybe, maybe finish the series first because this is your spoiler alert. The ending of the series may very well come up in conversation. Yeah, we're not your, we're not your typical after show. We're the after series show. <laughs> this is a retrospective where, you know, 10 years ago we watched a finale and we had different thoughts on it. And now we're going back to revisit that series to see if our opinions have changed. You know, one thing I will say, uh, there was a great article that I think we tweeted out or retweeted on the No Love Laws uh, Twitter feed because I think I tweeted it or something. But uh, it was a great article. I'm blanking on the publication. It might have been Vulture where uh, they talked about how a lot of people, and I'm not saying anything, Megan, <laughs> but a lot of people upon a rewatch of the series, have really turned around on the finale. Here's the thing. And um, I know that sometimes when I get really angry about certain plot points and everything like that, it might not necessarily come across. But the the more... Because, like, when we first started this podcast, I was kind of looking forward to hate watching something for once because I had never done that before. Um... Because I had a lot of, like, I, I was bringing in a lot of emotional baggage. But, like, as we've been revisiting this series and I am reminded about why I fell in love with it in the first place and I'm reminded about the the really excellent things that it did, what I'm hoping we can do is by the time we get to the end of it, I know that we kind of joke about like, oh, I'm going to change your mind. And you're like, oh, I'm going to change your mind. I'm hoping that by the end of it, we can look at the series as a whole and say, this is what the show did right. And it should be celebrated for that. And for all of its shortcomings, we can look at those. And, you know, regardless of uh, opinion wise, you know, where we fall on what those shortcomings actually are. Hopefully what we can do and hopefully what all of our listeners can do as well is look at those shortcomings and ask ourselves, what can we learn about storytelling from those shortcomings and use that going forward to make better and better stories? I mean, the only flaw in what you're saying is that the show had no shortcomings. But uh, <laughs> here I was reaching across the aisle. I extended an olive branch, Will, and you spat in my face. <laughs> you I, son of a bitch. I knew well, at the end of that, which is honestly everything you said is 100% correct and I agree with. But at the end of it, I'm like, well, I could either I could either go with the sincere continue continue Megan's point or I could go with. With uh, uh, what I know in my heart to be true. I take it all back. I hate you, and I hate Lost, and I hate everything. <laughs> well, you know who seems like a young lady who hates everything? Claire. Yeah, she definitely looks like somebody who's listening to, like, uh, an early 2000s Three Day Grace album going, I hate everything about you. <laughs> she is, she's, this is like, this is black haired, angsty, working in a, a tattoo parlor, uh, Claire. Can I be real with you for a second? Like, yeah. 
I think back on Claire's first flashback episode and the impression I got from her um, as some, like just as a person, she seemed very idealistic and she seemed very hippy dippy and like like in tune with the universe sort of men- very spiritual, not yeah. religious, a very spiritual person. Uh, that is not who we're looking at in this flashback. And it's not that I don't believe that somebody could go from angsty kind of gothy teen working in a tattoo parlor to somebody who's a little bit more like granola, like I do yoga every day sort of sort of deal. Like it's not that I don't believe somebody could become go from one to the other. It just seems like a little bit more of a leap than I was expecting. I um. It's another one, and this is, again, and I feel like a broken record with this season. It's another one where these flashbacks are bringing up a time that things seem very unexpected about a character. This one, maybe a little less so, because this is clearly long ago. I don't know how many years before, uh, but it's a little further back in her past than we've gone. But it also is a little bit of a, well, where are we at with Claire? Where are we in her life journey compared to the other flashbacks we've seen? Yeah, although, um, to again, to this episode's credit, and, and I 100% agree with that, where just like every flashback this season, it feels a little out of time. Um, at least contextually, we can place it a little bit easier than some of the others. But also to this episode's credit, you know, just like all the best flashback episodes this season, I feel like this one serves a purpose. And that is explaining why Claire's parents aren't in the picture in her previous flashback episodes. Why they're not around to help her out um, with this uh, with this pregnancy. And why the Aunt Lindsay character or whatever is the one who... uh, uh, is kind of in the future running more uh, point with Claire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I don't, I know that we we saw, I think we saw Aunt Lindsay in the flashback, epi- the Anna Lucia flashback episode uh, yeah. last season. Yes. I believe it was Aunt Lindsay. Yes. But yeah, and I, I do like this, like plot wise, uh, explaining who Claire's father is. And I, I like the connection that's there between her and one of the other characters on the island. Like, I like those things. I just wish more had been done with it. You know? Seems like a missed opportunity. So, the episode's uh, flashback starts off with Claire, like we said, younger, black hair, and she's been in a horrific car accident where her mother has been thrown from the car. Oh, yeah, it's a bad accident. It's it's pretty terrible. It's a it's a really dark way to open up an episode. Although, again, to highlight the parallel with another character on the island, her the episode opens with her opening her eye. And even though that is like a classic sort of lost thing, given that connection to Jack, then I it's one I appreciate. But but yeah, this is this is heart wrenching and. I, Honestly, it's like the the slow pullback of like her opening her eye and then going to like a medium shot of her in the wreckage of the car and then going to the outside of the car and then going further back and seeing where her mom landed. Like that's a really that's really good directing. Um, And 
the next scene we have, she's getting, she's like in the hospital getting stitches, and the police are kind of, uh, uh, not in, I, I don't, I don't want to say interrogate, they're questioning her. And yeah, it's and become, it's, it's it be- not overtly cold, but it's also not, it's not exactly comforting. Well, it becomes very clear, it becomes very clear that this is, um, Claire's fault in some way that she is responsible for the accident. Uh, the 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 police officer Claire, because he's asking, she he's like, when you hit the truck, she's like, truck forced us off the road, and he's asking a lot of questions because he says there's been a fatality, but Claire knows her mother is in surgery. Which, not gonna lie, for a second I was like, oh shit, is this how she finds out her mom is dead? Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> it's kind of presented that way. Um, but then we see that, no, she's, the mother isn't dead. She's suffered, uh, head trauma, and she's hooked up to machines, she's got tubes, and, you know, again, we gather some time, like, Claire has, (sighs) so it is interesting, and I think the aunt has a point, and this speaks to Claire's character, like, Claire is not the caring person that we now know her to be, because, she, the mother was in surgery. She went home, took a shower. I, I, I don't know if I really fully blame her for that, honestly. Uh, well, no, like straight up, like she, she, she brings up. She's like she had, gl- she still had glass in her hair from from the incident, and like her mom was in surgery and nobody else was around, and so it's like just, I'm just talking about like somebody who's experienced a tragedy it's like what do you do right now like uh, um obviously the ant see i I feel like the ant sells this because at least for me because it seems like the ant has that typical claire attitude to it well i we because we don't know aunt Lindsay, but we do know claire like i tend to think i'm like oh like they're because that's you know again to this episode's credit um, we don't see the accident. Um, so contextually speaking, we don't know whose fault it is. And just like with Saeed's episode, because we know that the person on the island is such a good person, we want to believe that it's not Claire's fault. And so her aunt coming on very accusatory, you know, to this, you know, this kid it, it it comes off as like okay well either the aunt is a you know mean overbearing person just like a lot of characters in flashback episodes are um and and that we're meant to sympathize with Claire or or like again people react differently in crises and maybe that the aunt's way of reacting in crises is just like okay i have to blame somebody um, but for, for me, I don't blame Claire for going and taking a shower because not that I've ever been in a situation exactly like Claire's, but I do know uh, what it feels like when there's an, a family emergency and there's at the moment nothing you can do. And it's like, well, what do I do in this scenario? I could keep do, I could just sit here and wait or I could go and do something semi-productive and maybe that'll take my mind off it for a hot second. 
So I mean, but isn't I mean, I mean, this isn't the point of the episode to harp on, but no, 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 but. But I mean, I'm just saying I don't I like, yeah, the the way it's weird. She hasn't even seen the aunt who must have came to the hospital fairly quickly after this, because we're we're we this is I'm not going to die on this hill. This isn't this isn't this isn't. (laughs) But you're you're right. The aunt is coming in very much like, oh, typical Claire and whether or not that's fair. Um, we don't really get to know in this moment because we don't know who is responsible for the accident. And we don't know whether or not the aunt was around when Claire, you know, was walking around in the hospital going, well, uh, do I take a shower? Do I go home? Do I stay in cert? Do I stay and wait for her to get done with surgery? Like, what do I do? Because, like, I can also picture, like, Claire getting discharged and then just standing there going, what do I do? Like... Like I can, I can very easily picture that. Um, but you're right. This is not the hill to die on. There are other things to talk about. Um, they're basically told by the doctor she may never wake up, and Claire is all like, "Well, what do we do? Like, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna pay for all this?" And they say, "Well, oh, well, the expenses have been paid." And they're like, "Huh?" And they're like, "Well, oh, so they've we've been asked to keep that confidential." Bum bum bum. Uh, How but interesting. But it doesn't take long for us to find out because then, uh, shortly thereafter when Claire comes to the hospital again, the nurses are like, oh, we like that new American doctor. And Claire's like, what? And who is it? But Christian Shepard. Now... I'll be honest, I I remember being surprised by the revelation that um, that Christian, you know, was there. But at the same time, I'm like, I really wish I could remember my exact feelings apart from, oh, mild surprise about this uh, character revelation. Do you have any memory of what your reaction was when he turns around and you see that it's Christian Shepard here? I um, I am fairly certain that i already assumed that he was claire's father before this episode oh really you you called it (laughs) i I don't i don't want to say i called it but i'm fairly certain it was it was one of those things that it was one of those uh theories that was floating around um for like at least a season because it's like you know he goes to this woman's house and demands to see someone and we don't know who it is, but it's a blonde lady with curly it, hair. Exactly. It's hard for me to remember back to like 2007 or whatever, but I'm I'm fairly certain this was one of those, it's such a common theory that when it happens, you're not surprised. Yeah. And not that there's anything wrong with that. One of the reasons why um, theories, can, you know, shows are satisfying is because they often lay the groundwork for that. And just because... Uh, something is a little predictable doesn't necessarily mean it's inherently bad. And here's the thing. Like, we want... I'm also someone who wasn't watching this show. Look, most people who watch a TV show don't then read recaps or listen to podcasts on it. Or, like, most people in the world just watch a thing... And then they forget about it for a week, and then they watch the next episode. They absorb it, and then, yeah, let it go. And they, and just, then... and they just enjoy it. So, and also, you know, 
we're people who are involved in the industry and we think of things a little little differently i think like i i I, you know my mom might have been very surprised by this revelation because she wasn't well maybe not because i probably talked to her about it but but you but you you know what she's like will you talked to me about this theory on six separate occasions (laughs) but but you know but but that's the kind of thing like like the i definitely know people who wouldn't have seen this coming just because they weren't thinking about it in that way yeah and and Granted, also with Lost, it's also really easy to get lost in the weeds with other things going on. <laughs> yeah. So Christian Shepard is there, and he's kind of at a loss for words. Like, he does not know what to say to Claire. And and then Aunt Lindsay comes in and is basically like, you, get the hell out of here. And... He's like, well, she has a right to know, and Claire is finally, and this makes the most sense, because she does have a right to know at this point, especially because she's like, are you the one paying the bills? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, and and she should know why, and it is because he is Claire's father. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and then, lost (laughs) although that's not the end of the episode but you know what it's it's funny because this is one of those moments that in the pacing of the flashback doesn't entirely work because you know we go to commercial or whatever or we go back to the island i can't remember what happened in the very next beat and then the next time we see her she's working piercing someone's ear or whatever and he walks into her her the tattoo shop she works in and says uh can i buy you a cup of coffee and it's like they must have had some sort of conversation after he declared he was her father like it's as if there was no conversation had <laughs> like literally everyone was speechless after that point and then he just awkwardly shuffled out of the room and went to the nearest bar <laughs> I mean, it. The, I actually wonder if the scene should have ended, and I know this is a little like you've seen this move before a million times, but it might have been even if when Claire heard the father thing, like just like she kind of like is shaking her head like she can't believe it and like runs out of the room or something. I mean, yeah, honestly. Or or maybe Aunt Lindsay was like, okay, you know who he is. Time for him to go. <laughs> or if she's like, or if she just, yeah, Aunt Lindsay starts screaming at Christian. It's like, get out of here. And kind of screams him down to leave. But yeah, it is. I mean, I understand from a dramatic standpoint while we, while we end where we do. But yeah, like uh, if somebody told me something as, as dramatic of, as I'm your actual real father, uh, yeah, I would have some follow-up questions immediately. <laughs> um, but instead, it's at a, over a cup of coffee in, uh, where are they? It's like some mall or something? I mean, it, yeah, probably, like, that would be my guess. <laughs> and they're, uh, Just some mall in Honolulu. <laughs> and instead it's over there, he's like, let me try to explain myself. And he talks about now how, that your aunt's not around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to yell well, at me. <laughs> clearly, that the aunt. Uh, well, maybe, yeah, maybe this goes to your earlier point. Maybe the aunt's just always yelling at everybody. But <laughs> but the aunt was maybe clearly, Aunt Lindsay is just a very angry person. <laughs> but he said, like you know, it didn't work out with him and her mother. Like, but he came back. He came back a bunch of times. He saw when she was little. He sang to her, 
And, uh, but, you know, eventually the mother had had enough of this and didn't love the fact that he had a whole other family in America. And, um... Uh, can I ask, what do you think the age gap is between, uh, Jack and Claire? I mean, it's at least... It's gotta be at least ten years, right? That would be my guess. Like, Jack was already, like, a a ten or twelve-year-old by the time Claire was born. I don't know, though. It's gotta be between ten to fifteen years. I can't think it's more than that. I can't think it's more than fifteen, but it's gotta be at least ten. Yeah, that would be my guess. Um... But then here comes the kicker to this. He basically tells Claire... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, ah. <laughs> it basically becomes like a euthanasia conversation. It's... you should Maybe be... make that conversation number four you have with your daughter. <laughs> but he is... He, he is leaving the next day. Uh, but what he said... But this is another example of where... Christian Shepard is, and it's kind of fitting, uh, again, uh, we spoil things, but it's kind of fitting that Christian Shepard delivers some of the biggest words of wisdom at the end of this series in, in one of the final scenes, because for all his being a terrible father and a fuck-up and stuff like that, he's he's got the right words of wisdom for everything, because he does make the point um uh there's hope and there is guilt and he knows claire is feeling guilt because claire is responsible for this accident and that she's having her mother hang on like look i don't know what your wishes are megan if you were in a situation like this but i mean she's never coming out of this thing and probably she's in not bad, i mean she's that- in bad shape and claire is keeping her alive it could be argued for for lack of a better word a selfish reason of a reason she can't bear to part with her mother because it would also be an acceptance of what she did to her mother yeah um because it's not until a little later in the episode where she can even admit that she was at fault um but yeah this is you don't want you don't want to hear it from this man no (laughs) not from christian when christian is right like oh man that is a bitter pill to swallow yeah (laughs) um but yeah like and, and the the rough thing is about like anytime somebody's in a, a situation like this, whether it's in fiction or in the in real life, is that like there are those instances where somebody eventually comes out of a coma, like they were in a coma for five years or, or ten years or whatever, and they, they end up waking up. But like it's like but at the same time it's like how long do you hope for exactly? Like how and that's the terrible thing is like, it, do you give up too quickly or or like, is it wrong to keep them alive and to keep them trapped in this state of living death? And that's why you gotta yeah. have a living will. You do. You do. You really do. <laughs> but like, especially for like, a, I, I don't know how old 
uh, Claire is supposed to be in this flashback when she's going through her goth phase. But we we can assume old enough to drive, but young enough to still be driving with mom. Like, if that makes any sense. She's probably, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, is she like 18 here or is it something like that? Is she My My 17? guess is seven. My guess is 17, 18. Yeah. Um, uh, but like, so like a kid, like when I see Claire in these flashbacks, I'm thinking she's a kid. And so like, that is, that is a, t- like, uh, but also like probably old enough to be able to make the call instead of her Aunt Lindsay. So probably 18, maybe 19. But like, that is such a terrible, like, decision to put on a kid, especially when that kid knows they're at fault. So, like, I do not envy Claire in in this dilemma. And then when we have our final bit of the flashback, it's the Claire we kind of know a more, um, uh, 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 a more like more the Claire you were describing before, uh, in a very in I a was more compassionate to... Claire, like a less like screw the world, like I'm gonna rebel for no reason. She's you know. got she's got her her uh, natural hair color, and she's got her uh, uh, she's pregnant. She's very pregnant. She it's late in the pregnancy. We also know that because we know she's gonna give up the baby. Um, it uh. And, yeah, so uh, she comes to see her mom. So her mom has been like this for years. Yeah. Which is, uh, and we see her, she watches the nature shows with her mom, which. uh, Which, like, um, again, like looking at Claire at the beginning of this episode and like kind of seeing what a rebellious teenager she was, like you can also see that this was most likely a very formative uh, aspect of her life that maybe I don't want to say drove her to becoming a more compassionate and caring person but like you could definitely see it made her grow up probably faster than she was intending um and she does have this breakdown she tells her mother that she's pregnant and then she tells her like she apologizes for what she did and and how she said all these and this is really the highlight of this is why you have the flashback. This is why oh, you have the flashback. This because Oh, uh, this was powerful. Um she gives a really passionate speech about like how it's all my fault and those horrible things I said to you. I said I hated you and I wish you were dead and and she how we see like the guilt that she's been carrying with her. And it's honestly, it's probably one of the reasons why she feel like this guilt that she's been carrying regarding her mom. Like, it's probably one of the reasons why she doesn't feel like she's going to be a good mom to Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Claire also has a story on the island. Woo! We're back. It is the... I guess it's the A story only because Claire has the. She's our our, our flashback character, yeah. <laughs> but I gotta admit, this is an episode where what I think we call the B story feels very plot uh, heavy. <laughs> yeah, very important and feels like an A. Yeah, no, this is definitely one of those episodes where it's like, um, 
it had the flashback character been different than uh like what what's actually the a plot would normally be the b plot so claire wakes up and there's this breakfast is a plate of fruit all Aww. laid out looking nice and charlie's there with aaron and, and he's there being cuter than he's been since, uh, like, since the, the peanut butter, honestly. Yeah, he's, like, at his most charming, and he said he, he took a uh, uh, baby so Claire could sleep, and and now he's going to take her for a picnic. And Claire is genuinely smitten in a way that seemed impossible when you know he was trying to baptize her baby in the ocean <laughs> when the island was making him hallucinate weird ass shit <laughs> uh but yeah no it's it's been a long time since we've seen them this cute and adorable because you know charlie's so insecure about his masculinity he's always competing with other people and you know assuming when the island isn't making him a monster, <laughs> like um, his own insecurities are are getting in the way of him actually just being happy. And this is one of those rare moments where because of his impending doom, he can put all that bullshit aside and just be like, I just want to be with the person that makes me happy and I want to make them happy just for a short time. So um, he brings her down the beach to have a picnic and Desmond interrupts. And that's the point where we as the audience go, no, no. And Desmond's, Not today, please. And Charles like, I'm having a picnic. And Desmond's like, I think you're better off not uh, having that picnic <coughs> and going hunting with me. <laughs> Which um, honestly, out of the two of them, picnic theoretically sounds safer. <laughs> But then, while this is going on, Claire sees these birds fly over. They're like, they're gulls. They're like seabirds. And she knows from all those nature shows that they're, like, migrating and they're going somewhere else. And if she could catch the bird, because she also feels she sees a tag on one of the birds. If she can catch the bird, especially the tagged bird, and put a message on it, someone in Australia or New Zealand is going to get that uh, message. Dare we say a scientist? Maybe working for uh, a certain someone? Uh, Penny, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. Someone can get this. <laughs> um, but no, I. this is exactly what I'm talking about. And she doesn't hesitate. She immediately leaps into action when she gets this idea, which on the one hand said their picnic got cut short. On the other hand, uh, I like I said, I'm like, bare minimum, female character being proactive. Go, go, go. <laughs> of course, it turns out that that action, had Desmond not interrupted it, uh, would have led to Charlie's death. Yep, 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 yep. Um, but yeah, I like I said, this is what I'm talking about, though, of like there are ways of still making Claire an active character in what's going on. The, pr- the problem becomes, um, ugh, like, compared to let's walk through these pylons that are going to melt your brain and I'm going to catch a seagull. It's, 
you know what it, it, that's you know what it a, is there there are a lot the of stakes yeah in terms of stakes yeah here's the thing this plan that claire comes up with um it's one of the things in this episode that very much feels like a vestige of season one and I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just so much of this show um, transforms from that survival narrative uh, to what's going on with the others and what's going on with electromagnetism and what's going on with these weird mind control experiments and, you know, kidnapping pregnant women. Da 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 da. Part of what makes season one so beautiful, like, Granted, the mysteries are cool and intriguing, but part of the beauty of season one is the simplicity of just different people from different walks of life having to learn to coexist and survive together and try to come up with ideas of how to get off this frickin' rock. This, <laughs> and, this is this is very reminiscent of the Bernard SOS plan. Yeah, yes, yes. Although I will say that Probably just given what we know about the the island later on down the line, this is probably has a higher chance of succeeding than uh, Bernard's SOS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows about weird electromagnetic force fields, and <laughs> at the moment, um. So Claire goes back to like the main camp, and she's talking to Sun and Jin, and she's like, "Oh, I need fish, and I need nets." And we're going to capture one of these birds. There's a nice little moment where Sawyer goes to use a nickname, but he's uh, he, he can't. <laughs> you lost. You lost, James. <laughs> <laughs> but then Charlie shows up and she's like, hey, Charlie, help me catch this bird. And he starts acting really shitty. And, and I hate this. I hate him gaslighting her. But like this, of like your idea is stupid and dumb. <laughs> Well, he doesn't I mean, say he doesn't use those exact words, but he's basically saying your idea is stupid and dumb. And I get why he's doing it because he, he's scared. He says he doesn't see the point. And we as the audience know that he's just doing this because we know something's going to lead to his death. But also it's like Well, I guess I was about to say why doesn't he just tell her the truth? And you know what? It, it, it's what what is you, you, that sounds so unbelievable. It is the kind of thing that Claire legitimately has to figure out for herself, which she does. Yeah, although I will say that there are ways of communicating I can't or won't do this thing without basically gaslighting her. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm saying is, Charlie, no, you're right. come up with better excuses. Come up with better lies. <laughs> I'm, I can't do it. I'm terrified of birds. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, Desmond genuinely needs my help. I'm going to go help him, but I'm sure somebody else can help get you knives. <laughs> I'm going to stay far away from the knives. <laughs> um, but then we see Jin and Son are helping her, and um, and um, uh, a nice another little subtle thing. You see Jin is, is getting more comfortable speaking English. It's so cute. They're they're not in this episode a lot, but Sun and Jin are just so cute in this episode. Um, although it is still won't be until uh, season five where he's allowed to speak English uh, <laughs> permanently. <laughs> um, baby steps, baby steps. Um, 
And there's a nice little heart-to-heart moment with Son and Claire where she talks about, like, how her mother would have been horrified, like, that she's dealing with all these fish guts and stuff. This is what she was worried about when she wanted to marry the And she's like, whatevs, my mom never worked a day in her life. Which I actually think this, this moment is really nice since you mentioned at the top of the show that it's the same director as The Glass Ballerina. Yeah, there's some symmetry there. And there is some, they're not in it a ton, but the stuff that Sun and Jin are in this episode is very nice. It's it's all good stuff, like yep yep yep. Um, uh, and the, this is when Claire refers to her mom in the past tense because she says that my mom was a librarian. Aww, aww, just so, my heart. They've got the trap set. They're gonna catch those boids, and then <laughs> did you call it a boid? <laughs> I heard called it a boid. <laughs> They're gonna catch them, and all of a sudden a gun goes off. No, Desmond, why? (laughs) But this I don't understand. Because once Charlie isn't... Like, this doesn't make any sense. Once once Charlie has removed himself from this scenario, what is the danger to Charlie here? Maybe maybe what Desmond saw, no joke, (laughs) just because this episode is very bird-heavy, Maybe what Desmond saw was a straight-up Hitchcock scenario in which the birds murdered Charlie. <laughs> I, I mean, in in fairness, every time Desmond changes something, a new thing. So maybe it's a butterfly effect, man. Yeah. So okay, maybe uh, maybe that's the excuse for it. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, no. Well, go go back to what you were saying before. Let's stop making excuses for this show. And you're right. This is this does make no sense. No, let's, no, uh, no. Let's stick with that. Let's stick no, with that. <laughs> you, you, Megan, you convinced me. Desmond probably <laughs> saw a birds, uh, Alfred Hitchcock birds scenario. It's even gulls, and they're gulls and the birds. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um. So, um, Claire is furious, and she storms over, and Desmond because like, oh. he did it on purpose. It Des- would be one thing if it was an accident, but he definitely did it on purpose. And Desmond's like, oh, no, I was shooting at the boar. And she's like, where's the boar? Where's, like, what is this? I'm not buying it. She's like, why don't you want me to catch those birds? Like, what's going on here? Um, So much gaslighting on this island, I swear to God. <laughs> Good for Claire for calling it out. And then she starts, she, she calls it out to Charlie again. What the hell's going on? Like, you, you, this isn't the same Charlie that woke me up this morning, uh, like, who wanted to go on a picnic, wanted to seize the day. And he's like, well, I didn't want to give you false hope. And she lays into him, like, I thought you were here for me. Like, you're not. I don't want my baby around a liar. Get out of here. Yeah. And, and granted, I think it's a little harsh, but, like, he's also being terrible, so. Yeah. <laughs> Without the but, context that he's acting out of fear of his own mortality, without but, that context, he's being really shitty. But you know what? It's so funny because there's Dominic Monaghan is actually giving a really great performance here. Because if you look at the way he's being shitty in this episode and other times when he's been legit oh, yeah. shitty, like yeah, no, can, this isn't him kidnapping son. <laughs> but 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 you but even like. It, even what it is, even in his performance, you can tell, like he's, he's playing so in uncomfortable. A, yeah, yeah, you can tell that he's lying, that he's 
bunch of bullshit. Oh yeah, and, and you can also can see you can also see like the self-loathing there as he's laying on this BS. He's like, "Oh no, like these are mean things to say." You can you can see it in the performance of like this is bad and I'm doing a bad thing. It's a good acting job. Yeah, way to go, Dominic Monaghan. Um so Son and Claire are talking and they see that Charlie and Desmond are really arguing. And once again, like, Claire's like, I'm going to get answers to this. So she follows Desmond. And she's following him through the rocks, down the shore. And he finds a, a goal and he picks it up. He and makes Cl- a beeline for it, man. Yeah. And Claire's like, how'd you know that was there? And... Because it, it wasn't exactly like like perching in like plain sight and desmond is hemming and hawing doesn't want to say i can see the future and <laughs> which to be fair would be an insane thing to say <laughs> and then claire's like no you knew it was going to be there what's going on and desmond explains in a very cryptic television way like charlie died on those rocks <laughs> He slipped and he died trying to get you that go. And Claire's like, huh? Uh, as she should be. That th- That's the thing, Will. If for some reason you started getting visions of the future, and as we were recording this podcast, you wanted to tell me like that you could see the future without wanting to sound insane, wouldn't you just say... I can see the future, and I know that sounds stupid and crazy. Like, wouldn't that sound... Like, wouldn't you try to make it sound more rational and straightforward than, Megan, if you look over there, that's where your friend slipped and broke his neck. Like, (laughs) Yeah, and then I would, like, I would then follow it up with maybe, here's what I saw, or you might go, like, well, what did you see? And I'll be like, well, let me tell you. But, yeah, I wouldn't start off. You're going from, you're going from zero to crazy real fast. <laughs> you got to pump the brakes a little bit there, Mike. But, but Claire buys it because she did see him make that beeline, and she knows something's up. Well, and, and also, out of everybody on this island, Claire's the one that would, most like, would be most likely, besides John Locke, to believe in destiny. And, yeah, psychics and things like that. So Claire talks to charlie and they kind of you know she gets it now she gets what's what's happening and uh there's a lovely little charlie reads the the note that claire put onto the bird and there's a moment where they're releasing the bird and this is great too because if you remember from season one Claire was the one who, you know, when doing the memorial for everybody who didn't make it um, in the crash, like Claire was the one that like intuitively knew how to comfort everybody. And so it makes so much sense that she would be so eloquent and like that this this bit of don't give up on us. Yeah. Comes which, from Claire. Which is a wonderful sentiment, and it does one of those great lost montages, which they, they did so well in this series of, like, uh, you know. And then she, she you know, she tells Charlie, like, that nothing's going to happen to him, that he's going to be okay. Um, <laughs> Lies. Spoiler but alert. But it's sweet. <laughs> yeah. 
No, this this whole sequence, it's just a reminder of the inherent goodness that is Claire. And it's, it, again, it's such a shame that this character really gets shafted because there's so much... I don't want to say like, oh, there's so much you can do with that. But like it would have been it would have meant so much to so many of these characters to kind of have Claire as a constant, if you know what I'm saying. Um, Yeah, it's really good. It's nice to see Claire get some time to shine in the episode. But there is there's the aforementioned B story, which I feel there's a lot of heavy lifting for, so we should probably get into it. <laughs> yeah, we we spent a lot of time talking about the flashback and the A story, which, you know, technically there's not a, a lot to them, but we spent a lot of time on them. Okay, so let's 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 get into this fast here. Um I, I actually really like a lot of stuff going on in this B story because it's, I do too. I do it's, too. It's weird and it's just like the right level of cryptic and weird um and also it's a bunch of characters uh you know working together learning this stuff um yeah so- there's there's tension within the group and it's not just coming from the creepy eye patch wary guy <laughs> well there's still there's a lot of debate still there's there's Saeed has got this map that Locke feels is not going to be uh, why is this, uh, why do you think this map is going to work? Because he's not divining it from the goddamn stars yeah. or something. Yeah, like, goes, because it's an actual map <laughs> made by, like, technicians. John Locke wants to burn it, basically. <laughs> Saeed's like, hey, it's not as infallible as your stick, I guess. <laughs> um, and then there's... Thank some- God for Saeed. Thank God for him. I love him so much in this episode. <laughs> And then there's the bait of why they're keeping uh, Mikael alive. Um, and Which, do you remember, again, not to not to harp too much on, like, similarities to season one, but do you remember when they caught Ethan in season one and everybody got really mad at Charlie for preemptively, like, murdering him? Yeah. I very much, and, and granted, we got a lot of this when it came to the Henry Gale storyline, but, like, Having captured this guy, couldn't you see, like, a lot of conversations with Ethan had, like, they not murdered him immediately? Couldn't yeah. you see a lot of conversations kind of going like this with Mikhail? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, the, the, um, basically is two camps. Saeed uh, and Kate don't want to kill him, mostly because Kate wants to use him as a bargaining chip uh, to get Jack. Uh... Locke and Rousseau do want to kill him and and correctly realize that they're not going to be able to trade this guy. And they bring the point up later in the episode, but they're right. Look, this guy, like, there was a woman who'd rather have been killed than be put in that position. They're yeah, not that gonna, was weird. <laughs> yeah, it's not. That was gonna, bonkers. They're not going to, they were not going to make this trade. They would never make this trade. Um, but I like the bickering. Like, it all seems real. Like, the level of frustration seems right. And Kate just, like, asks Mikhail, like, are we going in the right direction? Like, is this Matt right? And, and he's, he's like, like, yeah, totes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he also knows what's ahead. He knows there's this these pylons and this perimeter. Um, then there's an interesting little moment between Kate and Rousseau. It's a little side moment. But it's in, so beautiful. Yeah. Where 
Kate kind of questions Rousseau, like, I told you your daughter's alive, and you haven't asked one question about her. And she basically... Don't ask questions that you don't want the answers to, man. (laughs) Yeah. She doesn't want to know the answers. She doesn't want to know. Like, it's been... She hasn't... It's been, like, 16 years, and... She doesn't want to know uh, 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 the answers to these questions. Yeah. And you, I mean, I don't blame her. It's and, rough. And look, she's going to find out soon enough because she's going to see her daughter, hopefully, soon enough. Like, yeah, it's it's like she has to because she has to know what's become of her daughter. But at the same time, like, I definitely get that anxiety of like, do I even want to know? So as they're traipsing through the jungle... We here's some of the information that we get, some of which is frustrating if you've seen the whole series. Um, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> but but I'm actually it's funny. I want to see as the show plays out how I can't remember how they explain it, but let's see. So I don't think they do. <laughs> anyway, continue. Um, they talk about their, uh, they ask him, Kate's like, how did you get here? And he goes, I was recruited. And she goes, no, 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 Like, like, how? Like, how did you get here? How did you, like, and he goes, oh, submarine. But, uh, the sub doesn't work anymore because the underwater beacon stopped after the electromagnetic pulse, which we Whoopsie. know from, from Desmond turned the fail safe switch. Um, so the idea is the sub can leave, but it can never come back. I'll never be able to find the island again because that pulse will be gone. And they're like, well, why would you want to come back here? And he's basically like, you wouldn't understand. And he, he's Spoken like. Spoken like a true cult member, man. <laughs> and he's like, look, like a magnificent man. <laughs> Choose to worship Jacob or he will hit, like, he will make it so that someone hits you with a car. And, yeah, and, you know, they never say the name Jacob, but that's who we're talking about. We got the name drop a couple episodes ago about, like, Jacob's list. And uh, that's what this, even though the conversation doesn't mention Jacob, it mentions lists again. And they mention that Ben is not the person really yeah, in charge because they they assume he's talking about ben but he's not and he says um uh that they wouldn't understand because they're not on this list they're not on jacob's <laughs> list except they are <laughs> they they are on jacob's list and i'm because the your sh- kiss is on my list Cause your kiss, your kiss, I can't. Sorry. That's the only song about lists that I could think of that wasn't a Christmas song. <laughs> yeah, and now I've got that Christmas song in my head. Um, <laughs> but um, Locke, uh, not Locke. Uh, I, I, this has come up a couple of times now where they say that characters that we know eventually are on a list. There had to have been an explanation that it might have been subtle or something that at some point 
that the why there is this misconception he, that these people aren't on the list. Yeah, uh, Kate. Kate's like, you don't even know me, man. And he's like, yeah, I do. I know you, Saeed. I know you, Kate. And like, I, I don't. Uh, he's like, oh, but he says it in such an obnoxious way of like, oh yeah, I definitely don't know anything about you, but you, John Locke. I have a fleeting memory of you uh, and casually drops that, um, you know, granted, not that the other characters here, but he casually drops that like, oh, but it couldn't be you because that person was paralyzed. But he, uh, but he gets say, cut off. He does. He says para. And <laughs> thank you. And subtitles. Then, <laughs> and then Rousseau goes, hey, look over here. But uh, I mean, we talked about this the, the last time Jacob's name was brought up like I think that like Ben, like that, in my opinion, the narrative justification for why these people who are actually on Jacob's list, like no, none of the others think that they are, is that Ben probably friggin lies about stuff. Yeah. And I, I think that, look, I, I don't remember. I should remember. I don't remember. Um, but I do know that they're on Jacob's list. Of course they are because they're all quote unquote candidates. It's just... Had the show actually decided that yet? And that's the question that's up in the air. Um, but what Rousseau does see is she sees these giant pylons. And they're all like... Nothing ominous about this at all. <laughs> and uh, Saeed's like, don't walk through them. Don't touch them. We don't know what this... Probably some sort of security system that's going to trigger... Uh, you know, and uh, if we go through, and Mikhail says, like, oh, you're absolutely right, but uh, it it uh, it doesn't work. Um, and John Locke, being the goddamn madman that he is, holy friggin' shit, man. Well, first of all, there's this thing, this idea of he also tells him you can't get around it, that it circles the barracks. And so they, they double-check the map, and they're like, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> and while they're double-checking that map, Locke decides, like, oh, I wonder what happens if you go through this. So he pushes... Locke goes, fuck it, YOLO! <laughs> and he pushes Mikhail through it. And... Like a monster! Holy shit, that's awful! <laughs> and, well, look, I mean, in fairness to Locke, I don't know if Locke knew this guy was going to die because he walked through there. <laughs> he didn't, but he didn't care. And He didn't know that the guy was going to die, but he sure as hell didn't care what happened to him if he did. But, but did you, th- I mean, would you, if you came across that, would you think that you walk through that and you die? Probably not. I probably would have been the dummy to be like, YOLO, and walked through it. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm just saying, John Locke being like, fuck it, I don't like this guy anyway, who earlier suggested we should probably just shoot him. Like, he clearly doesn't care about this motherfucker. So he's just like, but without consulting Kate, Saeed just grabs him and makes an executive decision to shove him through the electromagnetic field that would have killed anyone else since you've mentioned this guy is basically Beric Dundarian. Uh, like, it, it'll be fine. But nobody here knows that. Well, when he I wouldn't have guessed through, that. <laughs> when he pushes him through, he, he thanks John, and then he starts, like, having a fit. Like, he's foaming he's, from the mouth. It's almost like... 
It's almost like that scene in Scanners, except his head doesn't explode. He He's just a, has a cerebral hemorrhage. Did you see? The blood literally shooting out of his ears. Not like he's bleeding from the ears. Like, literally, the the effects made it so that the blood was shooting out of his ears. Yeah. I it's am a, not exaggerating. It's a, bru- <laughs> it's a brutal death. Um, yeah, like, uh, the, the kills in this season are really, really brutal. Like, Mr. Echo got beat to death. This guy, like, blood is literally shooting out of his ears as he's foaming from the mouth. Like, these deaths are not pretty this season. No, they are not. Um, so, now Saeed's really questioning everything. Locke's doing he's like why are you here you're not here for Jack and Locke's like why else would I be here and then Saeed goes through Locke's like because they're like oh let's get that axe like we're gonna go we're gonna have to go over these pylons let's let's get an axe and Saeed goes into Locke's bag and finds C4 now I I do have to ask you know just like looking at you know, the way Saeed is looking at John Locke in this episode and knowing that John, you know, finding the C4 and being like, oh, fucking shit. How, like, percentage-wise, how much of this episode do you think Saeed was spending thinking about the time that John Locke knocked him the fuck out while they were trying to, like, send a communication, like, SOS signal way back out in season one? Like, how much of this episode do you think Saeed is just, like, marinating on that fact of, like, this motherfucker doesn't want us to leave? What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, he's got, uh, he he does, he clearly has another agenda, but up to this point, their agendas are kind of matching, so. Kind of? <laughs> up until the point where you, John Locke is blowing up communications places. Well, I mean, they're both. Communication tr- stations, they're, whatever. They're both, they're both trying to get to the same place for different reasons, is what I mean. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, John Locke, anytime he sees, like, a trail that could possibly lead off the island, he burns that to the ground, and that's gotta be rubbing Saeed the wrong way, man. (laughs) So, they chop down a tree, and there's actually, I think, like, a fairly... I mean, we know Kate's not going to die, but there's a fairly, like, well-done, tense sequence where... Oh, no, I love this. And I I love... Again, you... (laughs) I said it at the top of the episode, and I said it a little later, too. Female characters being proactive. Kate being the first to go up and over. Great. Awesome. I love it. Um, And she goes up, and she, she, you know, she hangs off the tree, jumps down on the other side. She's fine. My Everybody only issue... Continues. My only issue was I'm, like, as soon as she made it up and over, and I was like, Yeah! And then, like, the next person hops on to, to shimmy up and over. My my only thought was, like, oh, wait, how are they going to get back? <laughs> and I guess uh, there are trees they could cut down on the other side, but you got to haul that a long way. <laughs> well, look, I guess they also know once they're on that side of the pylons. They could theoretically turn them off. And they're also going to be, they're going to be running into the others. They know, they know that there's a confrontation coming. Like, they're walking into it. There's no other reason to go unless you're going to, you know. Yeah. I'm just thinking to myself, like, maybe cut down another tree and, like, I don't know, like, 
toss it over like like because I, I think in or like okay, not necessarily could- inorganic material but I think if you chopped down another tree and then like shoved it onto the other side you'd be like okay cool we're set up for the next for when we have to escape yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, just saying like thinking ahead of like what if you can't figure out a way to turn it off <laughs> but this brings us to the final scene of the episode so they've traipsed through the other side of the pylons into the jungle and they find the barracks and and it is bizarre seeing people like riding bikes and everything like that and they're all like oh what is the looking like what is what is like what's going on here and then what do they see they see jack running towards the I jungle. love this so much because yeah. he's like he's like clearly super sweaty and running and it like the the music makes it sound like oh he's making a break for it and Kate is like Jack and they're like hold Kate back like wait like don't like kind of blow our position here and then what happens he catches a football and then we see it was thrown by Mr. Friendly and then we see the two of them laugh as Jack <laughs> comically spikes the football and we get lost which this makes me go okay maybe mr friendly's not so bad (laughs) like i i look at this and i don't think like jack's been brainwashed i look at him and go like hey maybe mr friendly's not so terrible (laughs) no look and we look and we know it's so cute it's so fun and we know Jack is Jack. We haven't seen in a few episodes. We know he's kind of playing to the to the others and trying to, you know. Yeah, no. the The end of this episode makes it seem like, oh no, has Jack gone native? Oh no, has he become one of them? Did they brainwash him in one of those creepy rooms they were keeping Carl in? Which I guess at the <laughs> I mean, we know better now, but at the time of watching that episode, you could legitimately think that. Yeah, but no, this is just like, uh, like, hey, he completed the surgery, and then they were like, I guess you're cool. Like, you can hang for a little bit. <laughs> um, Or, like, this is just his designated exercise time where they're letting him out of his cage. I don't know. I don't remember. Look, but it's fun. It's fun. It's a he, fun way to end the episode. He's the best... Uh, receiver that the others football team has i mean this like not don't get me wrong like the the others have like random people like ethan who are surprisingly super strong and like almost to an inhuman degree but like most of the people at the rest of this compound i'm like they don't look like they run up stadium stairs for funsies (laughs) like jack and desmond do um, so, now we come to the time in the episode where we... I feel like my... Why don't you go for it? Because I feel like mine are very general. Like, I, I feel like I have trouble taking... Finding, like, the individual in this episode. So, why don't you start? What's your What's your Jacob? My Jacob is going to be the, the message that Claire sends when um, they send the, the bird off. Because I... I love that message. It's very in line with her character as has been established throughout the series. Um, It's a reminder that like Claire in terms of like in her, her inherent goodness is just, it's, 
it's there and it shines through and it uh, it reminds us of like why it's important that she's here with everybody else, if that makes any sense. Or if I if you want to if you want me to put it in terms that you'll understand, Will, it's why Jacob brought her here. Yes. I hate I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, but that's that's hey. my Jacob. It's just that that beautiful monologue of like, don't give up on us. Eventually, she's going to be hanging out in Jacob's shack. Whatever. Um, like, he's a monster. Shut up. He drives her crazy. Um, I'm going to go. I, I've had I, that bought me some time to narrow it down a little bit. And like I said, I really love the like it's the right level of mysterious and creepy uh that this b story is but i'm gonna boil it down to those pylons like it's really like horrific like it's really well done how horrific it oh, is what they it's do. it's beautiful sci-fi horror right yeah. here yeah, yeah it's no like i like on under other circumstances well i would be 100 percent with you on that in terms of a man and man in white uh so what's your man in black then uh, I'm going to give it to, I don't like Charlie Gaslighting Claire. Um, That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I could also very easily give it to, uh, none of you were on Jacob's list when they clearly are. But uh, out of fairness, I guess, I will give it to just the stupid gaslighting, unnecessary gaslighting. Um, I'm going to go real general with this one. And it's just the idea that, we haven't had an episode where Clara's had much to do since season two, episode 15. Now we're on season three, episode 12. And I given how much padding is in season three, it seems like that could have been a little sooner, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my uh, for lack of a better man in black. That's mine. And I, I know I've said this before, but I like given that this is the episode where we find out that she and Jack are brother and sister. Like it really is a shame that the series never actually develops that connection. Well, the, yeah, the two of them never get to develop. I mean, Jack becomes aware of it at a certain point and stuff. But yeah, the two of but them. It, it never... never matters. Like it's almost like uh, they they like couldn't find another actor to play her dad, and they were just like, "Hey," <laughs> and the the actor who happened to play Christian was like in Hawaii, and they were like, "Hey, you're here." I I know they did that. They laid the groundwork for it yeah. in season and two, it, and, and it, it okay. Ma- it matters in the way of the ideas of the show where everything's kind of connected. And yeah, uh, of course, of course. And they, th- that's the thing is, like, I appreciate them laying the groundwork for it. Like, I, I so love that. They they put in the effort from a writing perspective to set that up, and then it just goes nowhere. And it's like, why? And and it it's not even like they ruminate on the tragedy of what could have been either. It's just like here... It's almost like it's a superficial connection, and that seems, as somebody who has two siblings, I'm like, I I find that a huge wasted opportunity myself, anyway. Megan, where can the people find you? You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the 
Penguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I am also on a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where me and my co-host talk about horror things. And I'm also a member of Rooster Team Radio, where me and my co-host talk about Rooster Teeth content. So go and check those out. You can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link, and you can buy my book Crazy About Kurt on Amazon. So, Megan, until next week, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, Yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, And so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh, uh, Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will Mm -hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert. uh, Not as frequently as usual. (laughs) But you should definitely subscribe to all these shows. Rate them. Listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, These are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) It makes sense. We're on the same network. (laughs) So yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. (laughs) You're already there. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys.